Good morning. Thank you all for being here. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. We're a little slow getting this morning. Doug Tater's not here. This place is, you know, we're all uh, disorganized. But uh, uh, sorry about the, um, we'll get some uh, name tags and, and uh, some other things. But um, thank you so much for being here. Great way to kick off the year. Kind of getting, I think everybody this week is kind of shaking off the cobwebs a little bit and trying to get back into rhythm. So this is part of our, uh, part of our rhythm as a group and it's good to be, good to be here together. Um, you know, one of the things that I put in the, um, uh, put in the note that I sent out yesterday that I would just really encourage you to be thinking about right now is as we turn the new year, there's a lot of people in our lives. Okay. Who over the Christmas season coming into the new year are thinking about their faith journey. And a lot of those people don't know where to start. They don't know what the next step is. And I would just pray that we all have our eyes and ears open and just think about simple ways that we can try to help them help make a connection. I think Rusty one time told told me, not to embarrass you, Rusty, but, you know, that we should walk through the day and, and every time we, we, we encounter somebody, be thinking about, God, why did you send this person? Why Why am I in front of this person right now? And I think we should be particularly in tune to that during the month of January because it's just a great opportunity to encourage men to take that next step. So I just pray that, you know, that's the kind of group that we want to be. We certainly want to be here together and have good food and good time. But this is all about helping people, helping men take the next step. There also might be men that we know, okay, who have disengaged from the church for whatever reason. And sometimes... As difficult as it may be to take the first step to walk into the church, sometimes it's even harder to take the step back into the church. And I would just pray that we're all thinking about those people in our lives who maybe need to be reinvited, maybe be off at a hand, pat in the back, come on in. And this is a great way to do this. This is a great, great way to get somebody um, um, kind of taking the next step. So I hope you'll prayerfully consider that. We've got a good lineup. Um, Mark Kramer will be speaking next month. I'm going to get the dates out to everybody. I'll get them for, so you can put them on your calendar. Um, uh, Linda King actually wants to have somebody from GIC. So uh, and then we'll have Robert Hall. So we're going to see if he can move from March to April. So we've got our lineup set for the for the next few months, and I'll, I'll hope that uh, you'll be here and and um, be encouraged. So thank you very much. The other thing too, Craig last time, I, I know he's been through this, but when he gave his, uh, uh, at the end, uh, he showed a video and used his computer and if you're not aware of it, um, computer is no longer to be found. So, unfortunately it's missing and, uh, if, if you, I'm just throwing it out there, you never, never quit on these things, Craig. Um, if anybody happens, know anything about that or saw it or has an idea please let us know we've worked we've worked uh we've worked long and far for it so yeah so so anyway so sorry about that all right um with that we got uh we got art walsh leading us today uh art yeah let's let's give it up for her Okay, all right, we're kicking it off the new year, buddy. You're like the leading opening act here. You got to get us rolling in a big way. I was going to say when I stepped up that I, the hecklers would have to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've gotten to know Art over the past few years. Uh, I think we first met each other working on the finance committee, and uh, uh, Art attends the 9:30 service and has been doing Chapel Roswell as well with Eric. Um, 
Art, in addition, he's serving this year as the lay leader uh, for REMC, but he has also served uh, on the GROW Committee, the Finance Committee, uh, the Space Allocation Committee, and currently serving in a couple of different roles, PPR, Global Mission Team, uh, as, as treasurer, he's working on the Golf Committee, uh, and the Leadership Task Force. Besides, I'm not sure if you could call yourself retired since 2015 if you're doing all that, Art, but uh, he says he is retired, but he has a new position, which uh, this was a good one I heard. He's uh, He is now the CDO, Chief Domestic Officer at the, of, the Wal- of the Walsh household. So, uh, so anyway, so Art, thanks for leading us. Uh, thanks for serving as the lay leader and for all that you do at the church and uh, really looking forward to hearing what you have to share, to share with us today. Looking forward to learning more about you. So. Thank you. Well, I'm not even sure where to start now. <laughs> but, uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. Uh, it is, uh, it's a nice opportunity for me to be able to stand up here and share my story with you guys. Um, I've been coming to the men's group for quite a while. However, um, as one of those CDO opportunities that I have, <clears throat> my wife works in downtown Atlanta, so she leaves the house at 6.30 in the morning. So I'm actually getting my youngest stepson off to school, and he likes to go to intramurals, which means I have to drive him. So on Thursday mornings, I'm usually driving him to school while this is going on. So that's why I haven't been able to be here. But today, <clears throat> my wife is actually working from home, so fortunately I was able to make today. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I guess you didn't mention it, but uh, I actually graduated from Georgia State University um, with a degree in accounting. So, yeah, I'm one of those, you know, finance guys that everybody loves to hate. <laughs> but I always, I always joke that I was actually an operations guy that just knew finance. That way it kind of helped soften the blow a little bit, especially for sales guys. But in any case, um, I, <laughs> I like that Dave Mueller had the, a title for his speech last month and especially what it was because obviously uh, I have spent a lot of time in management team meetings um, which I only wish that Jesus had been leading those meetings instead of how they were led at the point in time but in any case um, so I've got a title for mine today also which was which is I didn't know that uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit but uh, with those words I started a remarkable journey um, in the fall of 2008, it continues to this day, and it's obviously going to continue until, uh, you know, until I'm horizontal and not on this earth anymore. Um, so what didn't I know? I didn't know I wasn't a Christian. Now, this is in 2008, so about eight years ago. Um, you know, I, I was pretty much surprised by learning this uh, because I'd grown up in the church. I was born and raised in Iowa, family of five. I was the oldest. Uh, my 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 dad was very much involved in the church as a lay leader and so on and so forth. Um, actually, even and I'm not going to take any of your pulpit time, Mike, as a lay leader. By the way, he actually even uh, did sermons once in a while. So that won't be me, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. So anyway, uh, you know, so I grew up in the church. I mean, we went to Sunday school and church almost every Sunday. I was in youth group, um, you know, involved in lots of activities, you know, that were church-related activities. My grandparents, both sides, all my relatives, everybody were church-going people, right? 
Um, and we got involved in a lot of things in the community. So, you know, I learned a lot from that experience. But, uh, you know, what I wasn't learning was about actually being a Christian at that point in time. Uh, I even sang in the choir, which I'm sure nobody would like that to be the case today. So don't even think about asking that question either, Alan. Um, but I look back on it now, and you know, I think a lot of us, especially in this day and age, and maybe at the age that I'm at, is you start reflecting back on your life and you know where you came from, uh, and wishing that it were like that again, <laughs> especially after this past political season. Um, so there was there was a lot to be thankful for growing up in Iowa. Um, I always joke about it. You know, I lived in a small town in Iowa, but that's a redundant term. So, <laughs> so you know, I I learned a lot from my parents. I learned about honesty and integrity. Uh, I learned to lead by example. I was the oldest of five kids. Um, so my dad, uh, who had been a lifer in the National Guard, I mean, that was his full-time job, um, you know, expected a lot out of me because I was the oldest child. Um, that sometimes was okay, and most of the time was not really very, very, very good. But, but nonetheless, I did learn a lot from him. But he expected me to be a leader for my siblings, so I learned a lot about leading and leading by example. And it's something to this day that I feel very strongly about, is that you need to lead by example. Um, you know, one of the things that, that he, he and my mom both really taught me was about integrity, is you either have it or you don't, because there is no... There's no gray on integrity, right? There's no scale of integrity. It's here or there, right? Well, so after having spent 45-plus years in the business world, I can tell you, and I'm sure a lot of you can say the same thing, is that your integrity gets tested frequently, and mine certainly did. Uh, I'm happy to say that I was able to survive those tests, so... And sometimes, sometimes with some pretty significant um, ramifications, as in deciding that you know what this is not a place for me any longer, so I'm gone. So I did that a few times. Um, and of course, growing up in that kind of an environment with a military dad in Iowa in a farming community, all my relatives lived on farms. I lived in town, so I was a city slicker, but. Um, in a town of 1,000 people, by the way. <laughs> Not much city to be slick there. Um, <laughs> but in any case, um, my father always believed in hard work, um, as in like hard labor, like in manual labor. So I, at the age of four, I, my, I have a picture that, that they took of me with a hammer in my hand helping build an addition to our house. Now, was I really helping that much? No, but I mean, the real point is, is that even at age four, you know, everybody was going to help, right? And so I was out there helping. So for the next 14 years of living at home, uh, I did all kinds of um, construction, building type projects in and around our house. Uh, even one that actually built that addition when I was four years old at about, I think I was 12, like my youngest stepson. I can't even imagine him doing this. Um, my dad decided to uh, dig a basement underneath that new addition because we didn't actually form a basement when we built the addition. I, with a wheelbarrow, 
wheeled out 5,000 wheelbarrows of dirt into a great big huge pile in the backyard to be able to dig out the basement. Um, and I did that after, you know, all summer long, after having ridden my bike three miles out to a 200-acre farm, worked on it all day, and then got home to have dinner, and then worked until 10 o'clock that night. So he was a big believer in, you know, hard work. <clears throat> and he always, uh, he always said, you know, if, if you're gonna do something, put forth the effort to do it, otherwise, don't do it. Well, you know, that's a great saying, if in fact you actually have the option to not do it. <laughs> trust me, that was never an option. <laughs> uh, I never had that option. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you kind of flash forward to, you know, my stepson today and talking to them and I'm sitting there even, and, and my, my other three grown kids, I mean, none of them ever have had to go through what I went through. I'm not so sure that I really would, you know, say that they had to do that either. I mean, it's a different world. It's a different time. You try to teach them in different ways, right? So anyway, um, you know, so it's, it, you know, during all that time of growing up, I mean, there were a lot of things that, that we, that I did as a child and as a young, young person before I left home at age 18, um, you know, that in today's, you know, in, in the church biblical, you know, way, you know, I was learning a lot about good works. The only thing is, is that it wasn't until a lot later that I realized and, and was able to learn, as we all know, that good works isn't how you get to heaven, right? Uh, it's not how you get saved. Now, you know, you, you have to have grace from God and have faith in God, uh, but the good works then still are actually required. It's necessary to be a faithful Christian. As stated in James 2.26, you know, faith without works is dead. So, you know, I've learned a lot about that aspect of things, but I think it also set, you know, kind of a foundation for me personally to realize that it isn't about you as the person, it's about others. So I think a lot of what my parents taught me without actually saying that specifically went to that very point. Um, so, you know, what, uh, what I also only learned really recently, and this was like last, last year when my mother had had a stroke and she subsequently died, um, she had become a, my, my brother and I were writing her obituary and she had become a Christian at age 28 in a gospel revival in Charles City, Iowa. <laughs> and she had never ever told us that. She was a very private person. Uh, and you know, and back in those days, I think, a lot of people didn't really, you know, share outwardly what their faith was or that they had faith. Um, my dad, on the other hand, didn't actually become a Christian until about three days before he died. And my youngest brother is um, not not an ordained minister as Eric and Mike are, but had helped start up churches and just, you know, with people that, you know, that believed in him. And so he actually you know, did both the funeral services for my dad and for my mom. Um, and, you know, he he actually, you know, was the one who was with my dad three days before he passed away. So, <clears throat> you know, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, we grew up in a time where faith wasn't really talked about. And, and interestingly enough, it wasn't even really talked about with us per se. Because I think about what my two stepsons have gone through here at RUMC with confirmation 
and the youngest one just finished that confirmation process uh, just this past fall. Uh, and what what the youth group does, what Jason Scott and his team do in terms of trying to help kids at that age, you know, um, come to Christ. So you know, it's, it, I don't ever remember even talking about that when I was in youth group or in Sunday school class or anything else. So it wasn't it wasn't until much later. And fortunately, uh, for all five of us, uh, us kids, we all did become Christians at one point in time. So before my mother died last May, she knew that all of us had been saved. <clears throat> so now, flash forward to the summer of, or to the, yeah, summer of 2008. And going back to that title about, I didn't know that. I'm <clears throat> in the process of, of starting a relationship with Lorcan, who is now my wife. And, we were talking, and obviously there's lots of questions that come up during that, that time frame. I still get lots of questions, even after I've been married for six years. <clears throat> and some of these guys know my wife, so they know exactly how many questions she has. <clears throat> so having heard me, you know, as we're going through this dating process, and she's asking me about my background, and I'm talking to her about how I was church going, and, you know, did all these things, and all this, all these you know, character traits and values that my parents taught me, she just looked at me. She said, well, are you a Christian? And I looked at her and I said, well, sure. I said, of course, what did I think? I was thinking, well, sure I am, because look at all this stuff I've done, all these good works that I've done over my life, right? Uh, well, that's where the surprise came in, because she started talking to me because she had become a Christian, interestingly enough, at age 28, same time my mom did. Not through a gospel revival, but um, but she was a Christian, and you know, so she started asking me lots of questions then <laughs> about, well, how, well, did you do this? How, what about that? So on and so forth. So the more we talked, you know, the more I realized, well, I think there must be something more to this than what I thought there was. And so over the next couple of months, we continued having lots of conversations with lots of questions, as you can imagine, and I started coming to RUMC with her and the boys, um, joined the church, uh, but it was in the fall of 2008, I was at specifically November 18th, um, and by the way, Mike married Larkin and I in the chapel on November 20th of 2010, so there are two very significant events in my life that are only two days, two days and two years apart, but nonetheless, it, they both occur within two days of each other every year. Um, so it was November 18th of 2008. I'm over at Lifetime um, and on the treadmill, and I just had this very, you know, strange feeling. I, I I couldn't explain it even to myself at that point in time. So I went ahead and finished the workout and went over to see Lorcan. And so we're sitting in her family room, and I'm talking to her about this. And she started asking me more questions about, well, what what you what did you feel like? I mean, what what was it? Did you hear something? Did somebody talk to you? Right. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, maybe maybe it was God talking to me. Maybe he really wants me to be saved. And so we just kept on talking, and that led to me praying and accepting Christ as my Savior on that day. <coughs> so just a very quick side story. Though I, think was, I think it was actually maybe the first time I actually came to the men's breakfast. Darren Dean was doing his testimony that day. And I was sitting at the table that was like right in here with some of these guys and Mike Peachy. And at the end of that session of, of Darren's uh, talk, 
what we were supposed to talk about is, when did you become a Christian? I couldn't even, I tried to actually communicate that to that table, but it was so emotional, I couldn't even do it. So, I'm a little bit better, with, I, have a, I have a mic syndrome, as I call it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, you know, at that point, um, you know, I, I really felt like I had just, had really experienced my really, truly first God moment that I could recognize as that. Uh, on that day. So not surprisingly, at least not surprisingly to me, one of my favorite Bible verses is Second Peter 3, 9, and I'll just read it to you. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So I think about this often when I hear people say, Boy, I wish the end times were just here. Well, do you really? Because that would leave a lot of people who were not able to come to Christ. So shouldn't we really be more hopeful that we get a whole lot more people to come to Christ rather than leave all those people out? Um, so during the past eight years, you know, I've been on this extraordinary journey and have on this faith journey, and a lot of it, in fact, I would say most of it, uh, is really due to RUMC. I joined the church in January of 2009, um, and shortly thereafter, uh, Larkin and the boys joined. They had transferred from Wesley Chapel Methodist Church to here because Larkin wanted the boys to be in a much more uh, viable uh, youth program. And we certainly found that here. <laughs> there is not any doubt about that from Kid Zone all the way through high school. And speaking of Kid Zone, this is a little bit of a digression, <laughs> but Alan reminded me of something this morning. Um, he and I had the pleasure last summer of being adult leaders for eight third grade kids, three boys and five girls. And so we were taking them, it was a week-long mission trip, if you will, for these third graders. Now, there were third, fourth, and fifth graders. We just happened to be lucky to have the third graders, uh, one of whom was actually Maddie Lane, Nancy Lane's daughter, and she is just, she's a, and a wonderful little girl. But... <clears throat> um, so I ended up with uh, the three boys and two of the girls in my car, and Alan had the other three in his car. And we were driving downtown um, to go to this uh, church where they were. They had a women's community uh, center in the basement, so we were going to be serving lunch there. So I had totally forgot about this, but we're driving down, and I'm driving in front of Alan, and these five kids in my car were like, it was like my car had those, you know, shocks on the things, you know, that you can, like, pump up automatically and release and all that, you know, just bouncing all over the place, right? But one of the one of the most incredible things that I witnessed, though, during that week wasn't just the kids being on the mission trip, but we were getting ready to leave on one morning for all of our groups to separate, and Elizabeth Knoll was running the program, and she asked if there was anybody who wanted to pray us out. And this third grade girl prayed up. Another God moment. <clears throat> so anyway, um, after joining the church, I, um, Larkin and I were looking for a Sunday school class, and we ended up in Discovery. And I actually don't see anybody in here from Discovery. Um, we ended up in the Discovery Sunday school class. Uh, we're kind of, you know, in an odd position because 
of my age and her age, we really kind of fit in discovery, except that we got these two kids, right? Which really puts us more like with a much younger, uh, you know, group of people. But discovery was a, was a good place for us, and we still are members of the discovery Sunday school class. Um, so, right after doing that, Julie Wright, who was with us at that time, asked me if I would join the GROW committee. Uh, so that was the first time that I'd been asked to, to serve in, in the church uh, on a committee. And that turned into five years uh, because I went on as an at-large member for three, and then I ended up becoming the chairperson for the committee when Alexander Thompson rolled off. Um, and that was actually the first time in my life that I actually prayed in public, so to speak. Now, it wasn't public even as large as this. It was just a grow committee of about 20 people, but it's the first time it had ever happened to me. Um, and, and that I, that I had that responsibility. So that was another really, you know, great moment for me in my, in my journey. Um, and it wasn't long after that that Julie announced that we were forming the journey groups. So I joined the a journey group about a little bit over five years ago, uh, that's called Lost But Found. And we meet on Wednesday nights. So we had our first year, the first meeting of the new year last night, and our topic of discussion was forgiveness, a really easy topic to talk about, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to spend any more time going into the details on that, but in any case, um, we have we have a group of about 20 people that have been together for now, like I said, uh, over five years, and, you know, it's it's been a great experience for me because we really have gotten to the point where it's that Vegas saying about what goes what goes on here stays here. Well, it's, that's that is no joking. I mean, that is very serious. Denny McFarland is our leader, and he is a phenomenal, um, you know, faithful person. So we we really have a we have a great class there. So <clears throat> so another thing that has that happened to me is that in that two, a lot of stuff happened in 2009 which I guess is not a surprise since I was a brand new Christian so I was pretty you know excited about learning as much as I could and getting involved in as much as I could as quickly as I could because I felt like I had a lot of time to make up for I guess I you know um, so it was in 2009 actually in February that our Discovery Sunday School class had decided that we were going to go on a mission trip to Gulfport Mississippi to help rebuild a home that had been significantly damaged in Hurricane Katrina. So Larkin and I decided to join that group. And so there were about 25 of us, um, uh, adults and youth. So there were I, probably 10 kids, high school kids uh, from the church that went with us. So we, at that point in time, there was actually, I don't know who actually um, bought the house, what organization, but there was a house in Gulfport that churches used for mission trips. So when they were coming down to help build, I mean, there was a couple that actually managed the house. So they lived there. Uh, they lived in a house next door, and then this house was there available for any mission team that was coming to Gulfport. So everybody stayed in the house, or as some of the kids did, and and William Mood, because if anybody knows William Mood, this would be William. They were in, in tents outside. This was in February early February. So even in Gulfport, Mississippi, it was still pretty cool out. But, uh, so we were housed in that, in that house while we were there for the weekend. Well, the first, we were, you know, in rooms of like four to six people in a, in a room in bunk beds. So I'm in a room and I'm not going to name names. I'm in a room, uh, with, you know, three other guys 
And in the middle of the night, it was so noisy in there from all the snoring that I had to, I couldn't even sleep. So in a dark house, I get out of the bed, walk out to some hallway, and literally just lay down on the floor with my pillow, right? And I don't remember exactly when this happened, but I didn't realize it. Where I had laid down was right outside the door to a bathroom. So in the middle of the night, where's Roger? Roger's daughter, Perry Wagner, was with us on that trip, stepped on me going to the bathroom. (laughs) And if you really flash forward, she and I actually went to Honduras together last year ago in October, which was another phenomenal trip, but... So anyway, there was some fun times going on while we were there. Um, for those of you who know, and especially because I talked to you about all this construction experience I got growing up with my dad, I mean, I love to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I've worked on Habitat for Humanity homes, uh, did the Gulfport, Mississippi trip. Um, you know, I just, I like, I like doing that kind of stuff. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, can I have my water, please? So, you know, I can get, and because I was trained by my dad, dad the way I was, pretty focused, pretty detail-oriented, you know, get-her-done kind of guy, um, you know, one of the things that I learned, and William and Rochelle Mood were on that trip, and, you know, probably everybody in this room knows what they're doing and what hearts they have for God, you know, it was it was a blessing that they were on that trip, because what they taught me on that trip is, yeah, it's important to get this work done, but that's not really the reason we're here. The reason we're here is to show God's love to these people who live in this house and others that we would come in contact with. So another opportunity for me to continue learning about what it really means to be a Christian. Um, So one of the things that happened as a result of me, you know, getting involved in that Gulfport, Mississippi trip is that I got involved in more projects. What time were we supposed to be done? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, is that uh, I got involved in local opportunities, uh, my wife and I and our sons, um, primarily as a result of being in Discovery because we would do things at Thanksgiving and Christmas time. But I kept having this, you know, just having this little, I would not nagging because that kind of creates a negative connotation, but just this pull to want to do something more than that. And like a lot of people, I think, um, you know, they think about missions trips and they think, well, that means you got to hop on a plane and go to a foreign country. Uh, And so I, you know, I was not unlike a lot of other people, I guess, in that respect. Um, So, you know, I just, I kept having that, that feeling that I wanted to do something more. Well, so in October of 2015, uh, I really got the call to do that. Um, Craig Simons and his wife Catherine were organizing uh, a RUMC team in partnership with Lunches for Learning, and we obviously heard a lot about that last December from Craig um, to go on a mission trip to Honduras, to southern Honduras, uh, to a very you know impoverished area where what we were going to do is do projects and be there for these elementary school children to help encourage them to stay in school so that they could get an education and become more productive members of their society. So Roger was on that trip with us. Tom was on that trip. I don't see anybody else right now that was on that trip. But we had about, it turned out, about 20 people on that trip also. But what happened is that there was a Sunday service where this was being announced that this this team was going to be going to Honduras, 
And I think, Mike, it was you. It may have been either you or Nancy. I don't remember who was preaching that Sunday. Sorry. <laughs> it wasn't that memorable, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding, you know. But. So anyway, um, at that point, whoever the minister was that day, uh, asked for all those people that were gonna, that had signed up for that trip, or any others that were interested in doing that trip or any mission trip, to come up to the altar and have hands laid on them. Well, so that was the first time that happened to me also. Uh, and that's, you know, for any of us that that's happened to, that's, that's a moment you don't forget, right? Uh, and that just solidified it at that point in time. <coughs> I walked back to the, to the pew, and my wife just looked at me and she said, you're going, right? Yeah. Yep. So I signed up the next day. <laughs> and, um, Your wives do that sometimes. Don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. Mine, mine is very supportive, by the way. <laughs> so, um, so we ended up, I ended up going on that trip. Um, and it was a, a trip of a lifetime. I mean, it, you know, you talk about, changed changed lives right well your life gets changed without any question i mean that's another thing i learned by being on that trip and you know i've got a picture of this little boy reuben who i mean he has it, it's in my home office in my workstation uh, he has the most wonderful smile right now he didn't speak english and i don't speak spanish so we didn't speak with each other but we absolutely connected without any question um, so I came back from that trip, and again, <laughs> my wife looked at me and said, uh, you're going back, right? And I said, oh, yeah. So sometime in either April or July of this year, I'm planning to go back to Honduras. So, um, so one of the things that, that I also got involved in, uh, Tim mentioned that I'm on the global mission team as a treasurer, but something that occurred before that uh, in the six months of last year, kind of at the beginning of the year through the summer, um, I was asked to participate on a strategic planning team for the global mission team or task force for the global mission team to help them develop a new strategic plan. Um, it was actually the, it was actually facilitated by Remco Bromet, who actually happens to be a member of our Discovery Sunday School class. Um, but Kristen Hyden was on that team and Pam Page and Ann Rafus and um, uh, Chris or uh, uh, Greg Griffiths, Nancy Lane, obviously Stacy Graham. Uh, so there were about ten of us on that team. Beth Casey, <laughs> can't forget Beth. So at one point in time, I mean, we had an opportunity to kind of be on different subgroups and work with different people on the actual team. But on one subgroup, Kristen, Beth, and I were working together on a particular, you know, uh, topic. And Beth. And Kristen and I were talking after this meeting as we were getting ready to leave, and she said, you know, really, you know, just kind of just look and listen really intently for God to talk to you, to speak to you about, you know, how we need to try to address this particular point. So I was out for a walk because, remember, I'm retired, so, you know, I had lots of time on my hand. So I was out walking one morning, and it was a absolutely beautiful morning. It was the very next day, and we were going to be meeting in like two days, and I really felt God talking to me, although not necessarily hearing words, but just 
looking around, right, and seeing, you know, his creation and just how beautiful it was and just thinking about, you know, this particular topic. I mean, it just, I mean, it was very strong. So we get to the meeting, didn't talk to anybody ahead of time, didn't tell anybody anything, just get into the meeting, and the three of us are talking, and it's like we all came to the same conclusion from using a lot of the same scripture that we were thinking about. So again, you know, that that was not coincidence. I mean, that was definitely a God moment. So one of the things that, that you know, that <clears throat> that I really, you know, appreciated from that is just the fact that, you know, I looked back, you know, over that eight years, right, and there were a lot of times, uh, and there were numbers of times in between those, by the way, the ones I mentioned, that those things, same things happen. So, you know, it's been, like I said, a pretty phenomenal journey for me. So what have I learned on this journey so far? Because it clearly is, that's one of the very first things I learned, is it just because when you become a Christian doesn't mean that's all there is, right? I mean, that you've hit the end game. You're not, that, that's not the end game. That's just the beginning, right? So one of the things I learned, which really goes to what I just talked about with this Global Mission Team Task Force and some of the others, is that coincidences are really messages from God. So you really need to be paying attention to what you think is a coincidence because it's either something he's trying to tell you or he's trying to confirm for you. And one of the things I was meeting with Mike yesterday and the day before, I, I get these devotions from Oz Hillman called Today God is First. Oz actually lives right here in Atlanta. He used to be a professional golfer <clears throat> uh, until God called him to go do something else, right? In between, he had executive and all that stuff. Well, now he writes these devotions and has this ministry. So two days ago... One of the devotions I was reading from him was a new creation. And so he was referencing 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So that's a confirmation, right? Um, And, you know, so that's why I say, to me, coincidences are really messages from God. And we just need to pay really close attention to them. I think, and this is something that I've learned from the from the, the journey group, is that corporate worship is really is absolutely necessary to to be a faithful Christian. You need to be in corporate worship, uh, hearing from our you know pastoral team leading us in that service and being with other believers. It's really important to do that. Small groups are also an an integral part of your faith journey, like the journey group, because Here's a group of people that we've been together for over five years. We can share things with each other uh, that don't go out of that room. And we have the confidence that it's not going to go out of the room. And so we can talk about issues that we may have, even if it has nothing to do with the topic that night, although usually it does. But nonetheless, um, one of the things, and it still is on my keychain. I don't remember when we did this, but it was several years ago. We handed out the contentment tags. Well, to me, contentment really plays in a very important role in your ability to show God's love. Um, so I think, you know, it's, you know, I talk to God all the time about making sure that He's helping me be content. Um, I think also you need to be thankful all the time and you need to tell God you're thankful, right? We talk about praise ceasingly, right? Well, thanking God is praying, right? So, um, and I was thinking this, could be taken as maybe a little sacrilegious, so hopefully you guys won't, but 
Uh, you need to pray early and often. It's kind of like voting in Chicago. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I wasn't sure about really saying that. But, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's talking with God, which is what He wants us to do and what we should want to do. Um, and we need to listen intently to His will, not your own. Uh, you know, being a Christian is hard. Uh, at least that, uh, what I'm learning is that, you know, you think you learn a lot, except that what you really learn is just how little you actually know and how much more you have to learn. So, you know, it's a long process, right? Um, patience is a virtue for a reason, and I have had to learn this one um, over and over and over as a result of actually having to help raise two stepsons, because that is a different dynamic than raising your own biological children. Uh, and it just and if anybody in here has had that experience, you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, however, it can be very rewarding. And as a, you know, i got to probably not tell that story. Um, we all need to lead by example, but we also need to be very careful about what example we're leading with because it's really easy to turn off somebody uh, to what your message is if they see you doing this but saying this or saying this but doing this, right? So you need to be really careful about what example you are actually showing others. Forgiveness is an essential part of our faith. Obviously, having just been in this journey class last night and talking about forgiveness, <laughs> you know, that one resonated with me. And God moments can be anywhere at any time. Um, so just kind of closing, when I became a Christian, um, I was getting these, I, the very first study I did was actually purpose-driven life. And so one of the things you could get out of that was that Rick Warren had this pastor on staff who wrote text devotionals. So he could sign up to get these text devotionals. So I did. Well, John Fisher, I was, you know, reading these things for a couple of years, and then he left uh, Rick Warren's, you know, organization to start his own ministry, online ministry called The Catch. And so I started reading the catches. So one of the catches that I wanted to, a comment in one of them, I just wanted to leave you with, it says, God created us with a need for him and then turned us loose to find our way back to him. So with that, thank you very much. Uh, glad that you let me take this time to tell you about my faith journey. And I hope you all have a great day. And unfortunately, Tim, there is no time left to have any table talk. <laughs> thank you. All right, so thanks, everybody. A couple things. So uh appreciate Art coming up here and doing this. You know, like you said, uh, I, I had to prod him a couple times. You know, yeah, you need you can do this, you know. Everybody does a great job, right? And you made um, a great example of uh, we all have stories to share about what God's doing in our life, too. Also, he said it will only be about 20 minutes. And uh, it always, you know, when, when you start thinking about everything that God is doing in your life, I said, no, no, don't worry about it. You're gonna, you'll fill it up. And um, uh, when you think about all the things that God is doing in your life, right, you can just keep going, you know. I mean, I think we could be, you know, and and I think that's one thing that's really special about having an opportunity to share is it you really start to pay attention and think about all the things and all the wonderful ways and all the wonderful people that God has used, uh, uses in our lives. So, um, Art, I thank you for that encouraging and inspiring testimony and, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate all that you shared. 
and it was certainly wonderful getting you know hearing uh hearing more about your story and, and about all the all the wonderful things that God's doing through you so um I'm going to ask uh Art to close us in prayer so thanks thanks <clears throat> with power heads dear lord thank you for this day um thank you for all your blessings thank you for tim and his leadership in this group and thank you for all these men who've joined us today and join us on a regular basis lord thank you for all of all of their faithful faithfulness to you and the examples that they uh lead by for you know newer christians like me because i've learned a lot from a lot of the people in this room uh, Lord, just be with us today as we go off about our regular activities um, and <clears throat> just bless us and bless the people in this church because this is a place that you can fall in love with as I have done. Uh, and I've fallen in love with you. In your son's holy name, amen. Amen.